is the Go Blue Crew. Hello and welcome into the Go Blue Crew. I'm Tyler Fenwick with Derek Devine. Derek, you were at the Michigan-Ohio State game, and I thought about you the whole time. I was like, how is Derek doing? How is he handling this? I want you to take me through your day at the big house. You can even start with tailgating if you did that. But just like walk me through start to finish, maybe some key moments in there. What's going through your head? What were you doing? Let's just say tailgating was the plan. And because of traffic and a long uh, standstill left-hand turn into Ann Arbor Pioneer where a parking pass was purchased weeks in advance, uh, tailgating was a little bit limited, maybe to, you know, about under an hour. Um, left in plenty of time to get there to tailgate for a couple of hours, really only had about 45 minutes to do so. Getting into the stadium was also about the craziest I've ever seen. Getting to the seat, uh, very hectic. Uh, passing on using the restroom because the line was so long. Um, sitting in the middle of a section, also a difficult uh, 20 Ooh, people on tough. both sides, not really a good route wow. to get there. <laughs> and everybody shows up early to that How game. How many people so were in your crew? Two people, my dad okay. and I. So That's small right. crew. But, it, you know, from student section to general fan, I mean, I think we got in there maybe around 1130, 1140. And, you know, a good 30 minutes from kickoff because they don't start right at noon anymore. And... I mean, I have never seen it as packed as it was. I've never seen Ann Arbor as busy as it was. And so hectic, you know, it definitely, I guess I expected it, but it was, it still blew my expectations on how ready fans were. The game, obviously a great game, a classic, you know, what higher stakes than ever they're saying. One note though, that I, I do feel like is, something that I left and felt very surprised about is I felt less stressed and anxious and all the words you feel, you know, that we talk about going into the Penn state game, you know, being in a close one against Maryland. I don't know if it's because you're in the environment, you can cheer and you feel like you're a part of 110,000 people that can make a difference in the outcome of the game. But I felt less stressed than watching it on TV and that was so surprising to me. Now the emotions running much higher being at a Michigan Ohio State game. You know, just like just the the ability to be there and, and the crowd being what it was. And I, you know, the only time I felt stressed is when you look up and it was any time that Michigan had the ball essentially up 4 and knowing that Ohio State was a stop and score or stop and touchdown away from taking the lead. Um, the only time the crowd was really silent, two moments when Ohio State tied at 17 to 17. I think people were a little bit stunned because it was in the second half and in the last two wins, Michigan has pulled away in the second half. And then obviously when Zach Zinter went down, that was by far the most emotional in-person moment I've seen at a game. I mean, lots of people in the crowd in tears. I mean, it was it was definitely uh, uh, kind of shook you up. Crowd did the let's go Zach chant. That was pretty touching and then obviously Michigan scores in the next play which was the loudest it was outside of the the final play Rod Moore interception but you know I I think the best moment for me outside of the win and just being there is 
seeing the clock at like six, seven minutes, and then seeing Michigan run the clock down to a minute 10. And just Ohio State could do nothing to stop the clock from dwindling. Would have loved to see the game end on a first down uh, and in the offensive hands and victory formation, but, you know, it allowed for, you know, that extra stress at the end and, and a, a game-winning play by Rod Moore. So by far the best game I've been to, not even close, um, not only in terms of excitement, um, but, you know, just the atmosphere. And, and you could say that probably about any Michigan-Ohio State game. It's just always going to be the best game on the schedule. And, and as we saw the ratings, I think a max at one point of almost 22 million people tuned in. So the 110,000 there all of a sudden feels like a small number. But 10 out of 10 would recommend. The most watched regular season college football game since 2011 wasn't and it like up by like nine million this year? Like second closest was nine million behind it. Don't quote me on that. I thought I saw something around that. I mean, for, like in terms of the day, numbers. it was ten million higher in terms of week thirteen than the next game. I do know that. But crazy viewership numbers and the most watched Michigan Ohio State game since uh, two thousand six. So gives you a sense of the mass appeal of this one. One specific thing I want to know. Because I always wonder how, to, like in your in your seat in the stadium, how do you perceive this? Uh, the Roman Wilson touchdown, and the play goes under review. Did did you or did the stadium like have an understanding of? Oh, they're making sure he had possession, and this isn't actually an interception. Yeah, so that's the interesting thing, and it all depends on where you're at. For us, we were um, one of the opposite corners from where that touchdown was. So when you're in the corner or in an end zone, for those who have been to really any sporting event, especially at a big stadium, your depth perception is a little bit off. And so it is very clear on the field, even, you know, 100 yards away or more because you're up in the stands, that Roman Wilson, you know, one perfect view of, of J.J.'s laser of a pass through two defenders. And then it was very clear that Roman Wilson gets into the end zone, uh, Two hands go up. You do realize he doesn't have the ball. Um, but, yeah, I think on our end, I don't know that you knew why, you know, the Ohio State fans, you know, the few that were in the section and all of them that were in the corner across way up at the top. I don't think it was very clear to, like, what is maybe the delay um, on the call. Whereas if you were in that end zone, like, looking right at the play, you know, feet away, you maybe knew that uh, Burke had ripped the ball away. So I say that one was really tough. Um, another one where I think on the field it didn't look like a catch was, I think it was Buka maybe. He had reeled in a catch along the sideline, pretty clearly a catch even on the video board. But because it didn't look like a catch live, the fans were just booing like crazy. And then obviously that last play or second to last play, you could say, um, a lot of people thinking and wanting it to be an incompletion in the stadium. Um, and then maybe the craziest one, that interception at the end, no one had a sense in our section. Really, it seemed like us had of my dad and I, that they were reviewing that. And mm-hmm. then you have that yeah. penalty too, right? And, and you heard Jalen Harrell say like, yeah. thank goodness Rod Moore caught that. Cause if, if that's ruled incomplete and you tack a penalty on top of that, you know, Ohio States could probably run it in like they did against Notre Dame. So <laughs> right. I, that was the craziest one where everyone is just so happy and cheering and going nuts and yelling and not even facing the field that 
my dad literally is like, yo, they're reviewing this. And, and a group of guys celebrating are like, oh. <laughs> and it's just like, mm-hmm. wait, let's hold off our celebration. And then obviously when they announce it, crowd goes crazy again, just like they did for the, the play itself. But yeah, you, you lose a lot of context. And we watched the whole game. I think it was Sunday night. Um, just on the TV. It was recorded on YouTube TV. And a lot of things you miss out on, obviously, um, when you watch in person compared to when you watch the broadcast so uh, benefits of both um yeah i mean in person for that game pretty incredible so michigan gets this done of course without jim harbaugh it's Sharon moore for the third game in a row i believe the stat now is that Sharon moore has more wins against ap top 10 opponents than james franklin does at penn state so i mean it might be between Michigan having two AP top 10 wins, Sharon Moore coaching both of them, he's right up there with other teams as well. I mean, like a, a coaching clinic in terms of just what he's accomplished as a head coach um, would be a, a good feat at really at any school this year. I mean, Michigan has two of the most premier wins, at least in terms of where teams were ranked when they played them, um, including, yeah, over number two, Ohio State. And then to add on to that, right, the same amount of wins in the rivalry as Ryan Day. That's and true. when you start thinking of that, um, and I think Jim Harbaugh said it in one of his you know many post-game interviews he's done, um, like Sharon Moore is a Michigan legend and, and always will be. In the same way that Donovan Edwards' big second half on the road in Columbus, he'll, you know, he'll forever be a Michigan legend. So, um, I think we talked about we talked about the trivia question on air last week, or we do it off the show of like who who coached the thousandth game. I think that was you know, off thirty years from now. Are people going to know it was Sharon Moore? Um, I don't even think we can understand how we'll look back at a guy like a Sharon Moore in in this season. You know, no matter what happens moving forward, it's it's obviously been special, and, and sometimes I think you lose the ability to recognize that. One, when you're in the moment, and two, when you're kind of used to Michigan being in the Big Ten Championship now three years in a row and looking to be the first team to win three in a row since the Big Ten Championship game became a thing. Yeah, that is super weird. I I was thinking about that too. Like, it just, it's the norm now. You do it three times in a row, it's normal. It's just what you expect. The play calling. I, I'm sure it was very popular in the stadium. It was very popular where I was watching the game because you're coming off of two weeks of Sharon Moore seemingly dialing things right. way back, right. which you know could have had something to do with J.J. McCarthy's health. He had, had one play sheet the last two weeks. <laughs> and all of a sudden, Alex Orgy's trotting onto the field, and, and he rips off a big run. And Donovan Edwards is throwing a pass to to start the fourth quarter, right, on a first down, pitched the ball to him. Uh, I mean, it looked really similar, obviously not as uh, explosive as the throw he made to Donovan Edwards a couple of years ago in the Big Ten Championship game against Iowa, which was so cool. And, one, you know, just like like a quarterback makes that throw. That's what was so cool about it. But, um, I mean, he's, he's going for it on fourth down. He's calling these plays. Like, it felt like maybe – we could look back on the last couple of weeks and get a little more perspective and say, okay, it, you know, he wasn't shy. He wasn't scared of anything. Not that I don't think he, I, 
it'd be weird to like try to give a true diagnosis based on two games with an interim coach say oh here's what's going on but to like call that stuff in the biggest game of the season against your biggest rival and he basically after the game says like if you're gonna coach these guys up all off season into the season you're gonna get them ready for this moment like you owe it to them to let them go out there and just have at it like you can't play scared that's basically what he's saying and he's totally right but i thought the play calling was just tremendous i think I agree with you. And I think we talk a lot about, and especially I feel like you've mentioned it like coach speak, right? Like the things that you're going to say yeah. after a win or after a loss. And, and I think he's really good at doing that. Like, I'm going to let the guys play. I told him I'd call the most aggressive game. Like it's all, all about the players. These guys love each other. There's a lot of the coach speak but at the end of the day. It just shows how confident these coaches and players are in their ability Without Jim Harbaugh on the sideline, at least, even though he's been around all week, he's speaking the night before the game, maybe even the morning of like these, these guys were prepared and expecting to win this game. And that kind of ties into, Hey, are we kind of getting used to this as Michigan fans? Like these players are so confident in their ability to handle adversity, to win big games, whereas all season, you know, even scandal aside. A lot of people said, well, they haven't played anybody. You know, we won't know what Michigan is until November. And and all they did is win all of November. And they've done it, you know, without a Connor Stallions and, and some of the, the, the sign stealing allegation advanced. You want to talk about a scouting, legend. whatever, yeah, right. Whatever <laughs> Gus, I mean, I feel like Gus Johnson's introduced it, you know, in a different state, in a different way uh, every week that, you know, the last three weeks or maybe four now that they've called the Michigan games. It uh, just shows you how crazy all of this is. But you can almost put that aside. He's not around. You've lost a linebacker coach. Your head coach isn't making the game day decisions. And, and all you do in, in a weird fashion, beat Penn State. In a scary fashion, beat Maryland. And in a, a very, we're controlling the game and going to make the right plays at the right time uh, way you beat Ohio State for a third year in a row. And, and again, it's, Coach speak is always going to be a part of the game, especially in those post-game interviews. But what was really clear is, like you said, I owe it to these guys who have been battle-tested. They've been working hard. They had a good week of practice. And I trust that a guy on fourth down like J.J. McCarthy, when everyone's thinking handoff to Blake Corum, can hit a receiver on the edge for a first down. You know, I trust that a Blake Corum can leap over a pile on, on fourth and one. And you have confidence in a guy like Blake Corum scoring from the goal line on the third or fourth try. So it's not like that's like some huge fourth down call that, you know, wow, really questionable. It's just like in the NFL with Jalen Hurts and the and the tush push. Like they, they get a first down or a touchdown every time they run that play. And so, you know, you're you're going to go for it early in the game. And he went for it often and one of the things that I saw, you know, Urban Meyer does his analysis, and he kind of was talking about Sharon Moore is the only coach in the nation that does offensive line, offensive coordinator, and acting head coach. Uh, and he checked all three boxes in terms of being a coach in all three of those areas as a game manager, as an offensive coordinator, and as an O-line coach. And I mean, just an absolute tip of the cap to him. He had that emotional interview post-Penn State. I think a lot of people made fun of him. But I, I think a lot of people are, are hoping and probably already calling um, because they want him at the helm 
as a head coach moving forward. And, you know, if, if I'm Michigan one, get that contract extension signed and, and find a way to somehow keep this offensive and defensive coordinator in your first season of a new big 10, because I, I think they're obviously Jesse Mincher and Sharon Moore are huge assets to this, to this program. Yeah. The, and not to veer off into scandal territory, but that's one of the reasons I don't even know if we talked about this before, but that's one of the reasons I was really upset about this sort of trickling down and you're still waiting to figure out who's to be implicated because Jim Harbaugh's time. I don't, I don't care if there's an extension. I don't care what the money is. Jim Harbaugh's time um, isn't as long as maybe we all hope it will be. Right. But if he's got, you know, staff in there ready to step up like Sharon Moore, well, it really sucks if you're going to have people implicated in a cheating scandal like Chris Partridge, who, you know, apparently interfered with the investigation or whatever, you know, the phrase is, but hopefully that kind of stuff doesn't keep, coming out and that plan can maybe stay in place and actually to bring it back then to the Ohio state game and the rivalry getting win number three wasn't just important to like keep a streak alive and to win at home and, you know, go possibly win another big 10 championship and go to the college football playoff. It was important because it's kind of hard to see this Michigan program, like 11 and zero playing Ohio state next year. When you think about, the roster turnover they're about to go through. And that's saying nothing about the coaching staff and the ridiculous schedule coming up next season with the expanded big 10. It, I mean, we'll see how Michigan and, and every other program looks heading into next season, but it just seems uh, much less likely that, you know, this is another showdown of undefeated teams playing uh, for, well, you know, I guess with the 12 team playoff, this would not be like an elimination game. But um, there, things are going to look a lot different next year for Michigan. So to get three in a row before you have to turn over your roster and, oh, by the way, go back to Columbus for this rivalry was a really big deal. One of the things, just really quick side note of the 12-team playoff, and, and obviously the Big Ten changes next year, but I saw just a, a graphic of, you know, I don't even know what the the bracket would necessarily look like, but if Penn State was ranked 10th, you could assume that they'd be in the 12-team the playoff. And you, know, you kind of look at that, and they didn't lose bad to, to Michigan or Ohio State. We kind of look at that and say, hey, how is a team without even a meaningful win on the season the 10th best team? And so <laughs> yeah. you, you want more because you feel like it's four is too limited, but to go past six, to go past eight, and right to 12 – I did think, you know, maybe that helps a Tulane. Um, but how does a Penn State, you know, end up being 10 uh, with with no marquee wins? And, and I think a lot of question marks. So it'll be interesting moving forward. But the reality is, again, win the Big Ten Championship uh, and you have your third bid in a row to the college football playoff. Uh, and, and that's kind of how it's been. You know, you, you can think of Clemson and Oklahoma and, uh, you know, uh, Georgia, Alabama, LSU even, Ohio State. Um, it, there always seems to be at least a handful, you know, two, three out of the teams who, you know, kind of make regular appearances uh, year after year after year. Clemson's kind of been, you know, I guess replaced by Michigan in this sense. So uh, it's goes right along with kind of the, the trends of the, the four-team playoff. Uh, and Michigan, once again, playing for a chance to, to make it and, and hopefully 
uh, you know, can can find a way to get in there and win one, which they have not been able to do, which is obviously a whole different story. We should spend a few minutes, I guess, here talking about Iowa and the Big Ten Championship, another one at Lucas Oil Stadium, which I'll be at, and I'll spend all Saturday downtown. It's become um, one of my favorite days of the year. It's just so much fun. And I think we talked, I mean, this has been like two years ago, basically, at this point, but when Michigan and Iowa played in 2021, I was so impressed with Iowa fans. I mean, you know, they got the reputation of like, yeah, you know, these are like true Midwesterners coming in here. They're going to be nice people. It went beyond that. I mean, there was just an absolute joy to have around in the city. And I'm looking forward to running into a bunch of them again on Saturday. Michigan's a 22-point favorite. The over-under is 34-and-a-half. And did we – you you told me what that kind of hints at for a score, but I forget. Do you remember – I can't remember exactly what we, we nailed on. We were having trouble with math without a calculator in front <laughs> of us. That math was but, so hard. <laughs> but basically, you know, you're looking at like a 28 to 3, right? If, you, if you're trying to keep it under the, the over-under yeah, uh, and you want to see Michigan win by 22 or 23 and a half, you know, whatever it's going to move to, uh, yeah, you're looking at, you know, an Iowa defense that's limiting Michigan's offense a little and then an Iowa offense that doesn't really plan on scoring a touchdown at all uh, um, no no uh no Cade McNamara no Eric Hall obviously can you imagine the intrigue in this matchup if both of them were playing and Iowa's offense was scoring more than like three points a game I mean that'd be a really fun game yeah it, it honestly would be um and and I'm I'm sad that uh yeah that both of those former Michigan Wolverines are not available in this one because especially for McNamara I mean I think we're in agreement here, and I imagine a lot of people are, regardless of his exit. Um, I mean, we just genuinely owe a lot of gratitude to to him and that whole 2021 team, which he was a true leader of. I would have nothing negative to say about Cade McNamara going into this one. I I think it really is a shame he's not playing. I think the hardest thing, it'd be way better if he's playing. The hardest thing is kind of, even in this last week, how he's apparently handling going into this right. as a non-player and, and how a guy like JJ's, you know, saying, again, you know, player speak, right? Oh, I'd love to see those guys. Can't wait to see those guys. Right. Um, you know, taking the, they were much of a part of, you know, all of this run as anyone else. Whereas Cade McMahon was like, hey, I'm not only going to prep Deacon, I'm going to prep the whole offense and defense. I know everything that other team does. It feels very Urban Meyer-like, you know, that team up north. And a little so, bit. I th- I think you know it's a lot of people making way more out of it than needs to be made Absolutely. out of it. Absolutely, but yeah, I'm, you know, my gut reaction says we don't overanalyze what like twenty one year olds and twenty two year olds say about each other. And he's you know he's trying to find some kind of competitive edge. Like they're not going to be in the this college football playoff, but a Big Ten championship for Iowa or the Big Ten West in its final year would be huge, and that would be a a, a national story and, and huge upset as well, obviously. And so I don't, I don't blame him for, you know, kind of saying that, but the other team, you know, I I think with the way Michigan views Ohio state fans, when they say the team up North, I think that's why people started piling on a little bit. I think you're right. It just, it struck a chord, a familiar one. You're like, wait a second, that's disrespectful. What's Michigan got to do here to beat Iowa? Other than you can't just say the funny answer, which is score nine points. Like, what do they really have to do? 
Uh, score. <laughs> I no, just said the, the, <laughs> did you see that the uh, first half total for Iowa is 0. 0.5 points? What? 0. 0.5, Tyler. No. You Where keep you Iowa under the point. Is It's not DraftKings, I think. If you keep Iowa's first half <laughs> uh, points total at 0. 0.5 or under, uh, I think you win this ball game. So for me, okay. that's the key to the game. And I might put some money on that just for fun. And so I guess I'll be disappointed if Iowa scores in the first half, <laughs> which is you know mostly a joke. I think they'll find a way to get points on the board. But yeah, I mean, don't let Iowa's offense do what it really hasn't done all season and you win this game and I think on top of that avoid turnovers obviously play mistake free football like you've played most of the season and you should run over Iowa even if it's not as bad as the 42 to 3 couple of big 10 championships ago yeah I'm gonna play off of that and I'll, I'll be disappointed if turnovers become an issue I mean that is like basically the only way a team like Iowa hangs around and wins they're making their money in the big 10 west right it's not uh, a premier division over there they play really good defense. They've got good special teams. Everybody loves a good punter, that kind of thing. If Michigan doesn't turn the ball over and just puts together, I'm talking like literally two and a half successful drives, this one should be over and you might win it 17 to six or whatever. I mean, just get out of Indianapolis, playing clean, uh, get out of there healthy. You know, the little, I mean, obviously you're not going to have Zach Center. It's a big loss on the offensive line but you know someone like will johnson um if he's able to go let that be like a a true indicator of health and not like well let's see if he can tough it out like get out of there healthy go get your probably two seed for the playoff and and get ready and i mean you're either gonna looks like you might be playing a you know, a Washington team that doesn't like to win games by more than a few points or a Florida State team missing Jordan Travis. I mean, there's a few possibilities there, but if you can play clean, leave healthy, that's, I mean, that, that'll be absolutely huge. Yeah. Being healthy in this one and you hate, you'd love to see it be more of a game. I mean, that Michigan Ohio state game stressful, but fun. But yeah. Be healthy and, and don't make mistakes because you don't want Iowa to even be in this thing. I don't think Michigan's ranking is going to drop uh, in any sort no, of win, but I don't yeah, see how I mean, it could play clean football, stay healthy and, and really start to prepare for how can you finally uh, do something you haven't done in the last two years. And that's when a semifinal game, no matter if your opponent ends up being Alabama, you know, or Oregon or, or a team like Florida state without a starting quarterback. So I just take care of business. Oregon. And that's been the, that's been the model here, right? Take care of business one game yeah. at a time. There's the coach speak for you again. There it is. Yep. Go one and zero this week, right? One and zero. Kurt Campbell says it. I think he tweets it every day, every uh, Sunday <laughs> after the game. One and zero. Great. Um, I don't want to play Iowa. I'll put that out there into the universe. Or, no, not Iowa. Sorry, Oregon. Don't want to play Oregon. If that matchup somehow manifests for the college football playoff, I'm, I'm not going to be into it. That'll have me a little nervous. I'm just putting it out there, which you know, it's one of many possibilities that could come up. Before we go, Derek, obviously we got to do a score prediction here. I feel like that's really difficult to do against Iowa. Like, does Michigan expose some things that we did we don't know about Iowa's defense yet? You know, like I said, playing in the Big Ten West, like you're going to look really good. Or is this truly a low scoring affair? I think Michigan will be limited, and what's hard is you know I think they'll be limited to the point where maybe it's not all the touchdowns, but it will be 
field goals. So, you know, let me do some math field goal wise because I What's think they're nine be... times three, 27. So you <laughs> hey, that'd be wild if they won 27 <laughs> to nine and only field goals full game. What was your math though? What are you conjuring up? I want to say three touchdowns, three field goals. So real quick math, I guess I'll go 30 to, let's go 30 to nine for this one. A little bit over the over, but uh, what? Still enough to get that 22 point victory. Is it? No. You know what? It's one no, short. No, it's not. <laughs> so I think, you know, I guess Iowa's going to cover, and let's just put money on the over. Uh, and I think that uh, all nine of those field goals, I guess, in this case, happen uh, in the second half for Iowa. Anybody listening to this who legit bets on college football just cringed at you saying, put money on the Iowa over. You're not ever supposed to do that. Iowa has... Uh, notoriously set up like historic uh, low over under points. Right, but how many people know about you know Michigan savior Cade McNamara prepping his Iowa Hawkeyes to you know of course not beat the Wolverines but score nine points on the Wolverines? I guess go, go look at Iowa's total scores. You know nine's right around where they've been the last several weeks, except for their what twenty twenty six point explosion against Rutgers. I'm gonna go pick. I um like I'm glancing at the scores here when Iowa loses they're so they have two losses they got shut out 31-0 at Penn State and then lost 12-10 to Minnesota I believe that was the game Cooper DeGene had what should have been a punt return touchdown to basically walk the Correct. game off yes um but beating Northwestern 10-7 I'm trying to flip an Iowa score here like beating Utah State twenty four fourteen, I'm I can see Michigan winning twenty four to fourteen. Um, the rest of these are really close. I mean, ten points is really close, but I'm not seeing. I mean, they just I, hit a game winning field goal against Nebraska. So again, I'm not trying to take away from no. like Iowa's defense is obviously stout. You know, you, you kept a Rutgers team which scored early on Michigan to to a shutout, but. They just can't. They can't score points. I don't think that their offense could ever get comfortable enough to, to you know, to to be confident that they get in the end zone. And you know what? The more I think about the score prediction, because I said that I think you know Iowa could be scoreless, or what I'm hoping for is they're scoreless. That yeah, they're not going to kick three field goals in the second half. <laughs> you know, you kick one at that point, and and I think their offense yeah. is probably less put together than it was two years ago. Now is oh, their yeah. defense stronger? I sure. So. I mean, is uh, is Cooper Jean even around? Like, is, is he is he still injured? Because that's a huge turning point too. That's that's like all Big Ten defensive back and, and special teams guy right there. We'll have to check so, on that. So what's his stat? You know what I mean? So yeah. and you're down a starting quarterback. You're down a Eric All who transferred and was making some big impacts. And I think at least if you go to ESPN.com, he's still the leading receiver for that team. And, oh my! You know, how God. long has it been since Eric All? Uh, touch the football at Iowa. So it's it's really easy to poke fun at the Iowa really Hawkeyes, is. but when you have 20 total touchdowns as a team and you're representing the Big Ten West and Blake Corum has 22 uh, himself on the season, uh, that's how <laughs> much of an uh, uneven matchup this is and really how so embarrassing funny. it would become if Michigan is even close in this one but hey you know if you have to suffer by iowa like you suffered by maryland 
and then it allows you to come back in your next game and win, then so be it. Because the last two Big Ten championships have been blowouts, and it felt like it's done nothing to prepare Michigan for what they're about to run into in the college football playoffs. So by any means, win the game. Just stay healthy and find a way to to be competitive throughout the college football playoff. How does 28-6 to sound? Hey, I like that. I think I think you're uh, you might be hitting the over there. I'm not That's even fine. doing the math because I forget the number. I thought it was but... 35, maybe 35 and a half. So I mean, you're right on the spread. You're right on the over under. So that is a score that I think is probably more realistic than mine. That's what I'm going with then. 28 to six. That's what I said, right? Hey, part of me wants to be like this. You know, I was trying to add a lot of Michigan field goals, but I think it could be forties <laughs> to you know three to six. Like, if Michigan gets going, you can figure out the defense. Uh, I, just like two years ago, I just don't know how you slow down Michigan's offense. I mean, what what player can you know stop a JJ McCarthy out of the pocket, um, a, a Roman Wilson streaking downfield, or or a duo of running backs? Who can run through and, and pass just about anybody and so yeah you avoid the mistakes and the turnovers you're probably going to win bigger tune than any me. of our score predictions tune into me streaking down the field apm fox that's the only reason i am tuning in to be honest i <laughs> hope to see you um in the stands and then on the field and getting arrested and then getting arrested yeah uh, i hope to see your mugshot once i get out of jail We'll get back next week, and I assume, and I really hope, you know, we're dissecting Michigan's matchup in the college football playoff, perhaps making some travel plans in your case. I don't know where you are on that, but that would be really cool. So I guess even if it's not happening, we can just pretend. I don't know if anybody's going to, like, fact check this and be like, I tracked your cell phone data, you weren't there, whatever. And then... I don't know, Derek, if we'll talk about Michigan basketball. It kind of depends on how things go. They do play Saturday against Oregon. Um, so we'll, you know, we'll monitor that situation. Little preview now, of the Rose Bowl, right? What's that? Little preview of the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah, that's that's what we'll focus on next week. There's no need to branch out and try to salvage whatever's happening with Michigan basketball right now. So. It'll be a college football playoff preview show next week. Again, once I get out of jail, and I do appreciate uh, bail contributions to my GoFundMe page. Actually, what did we used to joke about? Check us out. Uh, that's OnlyFans.com yeah, backslash only Go Blue Crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, contributions appreciated, of course, in exchange for content that I can't quite talk about on here unless we mark the show explicit <laughs> which we will not do so yeah, we've made it 35 minutes now without being explicit so let's not ruin yeah the check i don't know now. let's cut it off here all that said uh take care out there enjoy a third straight uh michigan big 10 football championship game and hopefully win and we'll see you next week go blue go blue